Chapter Eighteen of Energy and Vibration. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephanie Lee. Nature's Miracles, Volume Two. Energy and Vibration by Elisha Gray. Chapter Eighteen: Radiation of Heat. We have seen in the previous chapter how heat is diffused by conduction and convection both comparatively slow processes. We now come to another means that plays a very important part in the economy of nature, to wit, radiation. Radiant energy appears under different heads, but all forms are closely related. Light, magnetic lines of force, and radiant heat are all forms of radiant energy, and all travel through space at the same rate, namely about 188,000 miles per second. Radiant energy does not require a material substance for a transmitting medium at least not material as commonly understood, something that appeals to some one of the five senses. Radiant heat is transmitted through the ether that I have described further back in another chapter. Ether, if it is anything, must be a substance of some kind, but so refined that it permeates the pores of all ordinary material substances, no matter how dense they are. A glass will hold any kind of liquid, although it is full of holes like a sieve. Thus holes are large enough for the ether to pass through, but not large enough for the molecules or atoms of matter to pass through. In other words, the glass is water-tight or fluid-tight, but not ether-tight, and as ether in motion is radiant energy, radiant energy can pass through bodies of matter. Light and radiant heat are able to come out through the shell of an incandescent electric lamp, although the heated film is in a vacuum, that is, a space absolutely empty of air. Nothing but the ether can get inside of the lamp bulb, all but a few miles of the distance between us and the sun is what we would call a vacuum, as it has no air, and yet the heat of the sun is able to pierce through, with mighty effect, a distance of over ninety million of miles. Right here let us make a few experiments to show the relation of heat, light, and sound in some of their effects. Let us take two parabolic reflectors, and place them facing each other at some distance apart. If now we place the light in the focus of one reflector, it will be reflected in parallel lines to the other reflector, and thence to the focal point, where a spot of light will appear if a screen is there to receive it. Again, place a watch at the focal point of one reflector and your ear at the other, and you can hear the watch tick very plainly. Now remove the watch and place a spoonful of powder at one focal point and a ball of metal heated to redness in the other, and immediately the powder will be fired. These experiments show that sound, light, and radiant heat follow the same law of reflection. If, however, you could perform the same experiment in a vacuum, you would get the same results with light and radiant heat, but you could no longer hear the watch tick. This shows that sound requires air, or some material substance to transmit it, which is unnecessary for radiant energy in the form of light and heat. The powder would burn in a vacuum, because there would be sufficient oxygen in the ingredients of which it is composed to support combustion. The amount of heat radiated by the sun in falling upon a given area of the earth's surface in one hour has been estimated to be equal to the heat arising from the combustion of a layer over the same area of the densest coal ten feet thick. At this rate, it would require a layer seventy miles in thickness to be equal to the heat radiated by the sun in one year upon the same area. Of course, if the heat of the sun, for one hour even, should be confined to the surface where it falls, no life, animal or vegetable, could exist. 
happily for us means are at hand to take care of it and render it not only harmless but the greatest boon to all kinds of life the earth is heated and this heats the lower stratum of air heated air immediately rises and colder air comes in from the sides to take its place which in turn is freighted with heat and ascends so that there is a constant distribution of heat going on by convection through the medium of the air and thus the temperature at the earth's surface is kept within the range of animal and vegetable life the question naturally arises how long at this rate will the lamp hold out to burn well long enough for you and me and thousands of generations to follow within historic times there has been no perceptible diminution of the sun's heat we find the vine and the olive growing in the same zones as in the times of abraham however if there was no means of compensating for the loss of the sun's heat in the very nature of things measured by what we know of the laws of heat upon the surface of the earth it must gradually diminish in power planets like everything else have a birth a growth a decay and a death new planets will take their places that will be fitted perhaps for higher forms of life what is true of individuals is true of races they have their day they play their little part and are gone gone you say yes to the natural eye as mere living breathing forms although to the eye of faith we only change but here we are treading on the toes of the theologian he can stand it for they have been trodden on before and will be again we build up symmetrical structures of belief that appeal to the intellect and men live upon them and die by them these structures are perhaps founded on some dogma that in the march of progress has had accidentally or otherwise a light thrown upon it by some heretofore unknown operation of natural law it cannot bear the light it vanishes and the whole structure comes tumbling down about our ears as to the persistence of the human spirit however the immortality of the soul as we call it no science has yet been able to touch it for good or for evil and we cling to it because it seems both reasonable and necessary to our happiness one theory regarding the perpetuation of solar heat is that the sun is constantly fed by a stream of meteoric matter that is moving spirally around the sun the theory involves the idea that all the planets are imperceptibly coming closer to the sun and that eventually they will be swallowed up by it whatever our speculations may be regarding the life of the sun we are sure of one thing and that is that all life on our earth all growth and all the activities of nature animate and inanimate are directly dependent upon the sun's rays if they should be cut off there would be universal quiet which would mean universal death End of chapter 18